Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Friday Night Dinner Podcast. I'm your host, Curtis. With me, as always, is Dr. Stephanie Sarkis, PhD, who you can find over at stephaniesarkis.com. How are you today, Steph? I'm great. How are you? Doing great, thanks. I realized I did not ask you last episode about the weather. Oh, the weather is it's hot. It's 84. I think it got up to 90 today, but it felt like it was 500 degrees. How about okay. you? Well, it's a little bit warmer here too. Yeah, it's 18 degrees Celsius or 80 or no, 65 Fahrenheit. So it's definitely getting warmer here. So it's nice though. Um, getting to be short weather. So yay. And I'm hoping this weather keeps up because I've got vacation next week. So yeah. yay. Please be nice during my vacation, please. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing's Let me worse. Know how than that goes for you. Nothing's going mm-hmm. worse. Nothing's worse than going on a vacation and then it just starts raining, you know? Like, but it gives you some really good stories. I've actually been on vacation with rain and, and it turned into a fun thing. The, so. the, for me, at least personally, the exception is if I'm camping, I actually don't mind camping in the rain because oftentimes you're like, mm-hmm. you just put up a tarp and people can play games, have some drinks, munch on some snacks. You can snuggle. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I've, for me personally, it's like if I go to like a resort or something or a hotel or something that nice where I'm kind of like part of that experience is being sunny. That's the time where I'm like, okay, I feel like I'm being uh, derived of the full package, even though obviously mm-hmm. not anyone's fault, of course. But uh, sometimes nice. you just feel like, hey, I'm not quite getting what I wanted here. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, uh, and you know, maybe not as sunny and bubbly, but. Gilmore Girls, we continue on. Um, we're trudging through season seven, uh, despite our better judgments. Um, yeah. Now that we're like almost halfway through season seven, are you like it's as painful as Kurt warned me, or more? Yes. No, it's it's, it's you were very accurate describing it. There are moments, but overall, it's why did we have this season? Yeah. And uh, yeah. Well, I guess I, was, I, I should have led with, led with the segue that, like uh, myself, uh, Laurel and Christopher are packing their bags because they're going to France. Merci beaucoup. And we we actually see France in this, don't we? Or is that next episode? Uh, yeah, we do. Um, yeah. Oh, no, it's the next episode, isn't it? No. This is season seven, oh. episode seven, French twist. So... Unless I'm remembering correct, unless I'm not remembering correctly, which I did watch this last week, so it's possible. Uh, I'm pretty sure they're in France. Oh yeah, it is because they're talking about the Tour de France. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah, because Christopher has to take Gigi to visit uh, her mom in Paris, which I'm like, okay. Again, Christopher showing off his wealth, which really doesn't rub me the right way. It just gets right. annoying. He does that a lot in this episode. Like, yeah, paying for mm-hmm. a trip to Paris and then, like, buying out an entire restaurant, which I had so many questions about. Like, obviously, these people were not on their regular hours. Are they getting paid overtime? Were they even getting paid at all? Were they right. just, was the restaurant given a flat rate? Like, I'm like, uh, I, I really, yeah, I really wanted to know how much he paid them. Yeah. What do you, how Especially much? Especially with the menu. If you had yeah. to guess, mm-hmm. how much do you think they, he paid them? Well, this was in what year? 2007? Yeah. I would say like 5000 but I think that's off. 
But okay. it's a French restaurant with a full Mater D staff, right? So he had like what, like they had eight Mater D's there. So, and you have the chef, which in a French restaurant in Paris is probably a high level chef. So, and you're getting people to come in after hours. What was it like, four or five in the morning or something? Yeah. And they have to fire everything up and like get yeah, I would say minimum five thousand. Interesting. Not including the, the price of the wine. What would you say? Okay, so I used to work at restaurants back in my university days, and I worked at one that was, like, a really nice restaurant, and we once had a buyout, like, someone bought out the entire restaurant, and that was during regular hours, and it was for $2.2 million. <laughs> it was ridiculous. I like I'm, like, 5000 That's yeah. inaccurate. And but I'm that like, was during peak hours, right? Yeah, and this, I was wondering about it because it's not even peak hours, it's off hours, so they would have had to call the people in for overtime, so you would actually think it would cost more. So. I mean, maybe 10, 20? It would have to be something that would be worth the, the cost of it. Yes. And also just getting things shipped in. Like I'm assuming that they just didn't have a whole bunch of the food available, right? That you get shipments, so yeah. the whole thing like didn't make sense. And then it totally looked like a set. Yeah. Like, you know, it didn't even look it's probably one of the worst representations of France that I've seen in any show. Like you could totally tell that this was on the same lot or whatever. Yeah. And half of it was in a hotel room. So and I yeah. saw the back of the door. It says like the this the um the you know, like the fire plant and it's like all in French. And I'm like, that's your one attempt to make it look like France. Yeah. <laughs> and then the, was... the Eiffel Tower picture in the background, yeah. Yeah, so I'm doing the math here because now I'm kind of curious because I'm going to say it was, let's say, probably around $2 million for him to buy out the restaurant. Um, and if that was in, let's say, 2006. Uh, Not 5000 well, no. yeah. Oh, wait, how much of it would be to tell your friends, hey, I paid $2 million to buy this out? Like, how much of it's that, too? That's a good question. Like, if you have so much money that you're just like, oh, yeah, I totally spent $2 million. Because mm, it would be, like, roughly $3 million. I Okay, so with the inflation, it would probably be closer to $1 million back then. So what was he... So how many people were you serving when it was bought out? Probably around 20 people. 20? Yeah. So you've got two people. They were ordering, I don't know if there's a prefix or whatever, but they were ordering, like, they weren't ordering weird stuff. Yeah. No, I I, I think they would have probably paid a million. Because, yeah, like, from 2006 to 2022, it's, like, 2 million turns into, like, 3 million with inflation. So if we go minus that, so 2 million downwards, yeah, it's probably around a million dollars. So. And I'm just thinking that he called somebody and like, they, like, this is my thought when I was thinking about this. I'm like, you know, his family's well connected. Yeah. So it might have been that he called like somebody and they did him a solid or something and called the restaurants and, hey, will you open? And then, you know, like, like, so I thought it would be lower just because he's got connection. Yeah. Because who else would do that unless you really know them, right? Mm -hmm. It was definitely strange, though, either way. Yeah, it kind of didn't fit. Yeah. And again, it's grand gestures. We always talk about grand gestures could be a red flag. Yeah. Well, 
this is almost as grand gesture as it, as it gets. Right. For so, Christopher, right. Yeah. Okay. Um, but, yeah. This, him buying out the restaurant was obviously not the only thing that happens. There was a lot, uh, including a big proposal. No, not even a proposal. They get married. Never mind. Right. They just skip ahead, right ahead to getting married. Mm-hmm. Which... I get Lorelai's impulsive, but that seems weird, especially when you consider, you know, her backing out of her mar- or um, engagement to Max. Um, you know, she, I don't know. I, I get that, like, she's feeling the tick of time and all that, but it just it felt weird that she would be so game to marry Christopher, especially considering how right. how inconsistent he's been in the past. I mean, it was for a ratings boost or something. I I don't know, but yeah. um, but they I don't think they've even talked about having more kids besides Rory. Yeah, like she talked about that with Luke, right? But not with Christopher. And mm-hmm. yeah, and poor Luke. Like Luke is just like Luke just doesn't get a break, no. you know, in these next few episodes. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it just feels like, and I had this other psych part. It just feels like they're trying to recreate what they once had. But yeah, and are they in love with each other? Or is it more they're in love with the idea of them getting back together? I was thinking too that like maybe it's a rebellion thing because Lorelai does like to do a lot of things in rebellion. But then I'm also like, but that doesn't make any sense because that's what Emily and Richard want. They want her and Christopher to get married. So right, when it, that doesn't even make sense because you would think she would even say no just to like spite them, be like, no, that's what they want. If you're really right. thinking of who Lorelai is as a person, like. She would be, she would be more like that. So, mm-hmm. well, yeah, we saw like with Luke, he listened to to figure out that he had this epiphany moment where he was listening to that book, that audio book, right, about how to, you know, who do you see in your mind, or who you're in love with, or whatever. And he thought of Lorelai. We don't really have that moment with Lorelai. It's just kind of like she just calls him because she broke up with Luke. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, and then also, too, I mean, on top of uh, all of that, too, it's also Rory's end of her tenure as editor in chief of the Yale Daily News, and she starts freaking out about her future, which I thought was actually very realistic, and actually, probably one of the few things in the season that actually was like, huh, that actually is realistic because considering everything she's done thus far in the show. I would be freaking out too about my future. Well, and it didn't really happen until Paris kind of planted that idea too, because Paris yeah. is like, you know, talking about antidepressants she should be on and all that stuff. And then Paris does this weird thing of, you know, they're all saying like, you know, they're doing a little send off for her. And she, you know, basically called them all traitors. And it was yeah. a very weird thing. And I'm like, you can't even, you know, do a send off. Why are you even in the room? Mm hmm. Yeah, because then she went back to her own little spot, and I'm thinking, that why why would you want to be here? Yeah. Yeah, because like, this episode was a lot of Rory kind of freaking out about her future, which, again, I thought was realistic. I actually was one of the few storylines with Rory that I actually kind of liked, because it felt realistic that she would be freaking right. out right now about what her future is. Because, I mean, sure, a lot of people love Rory as a character, but take a step back and look at what she's done throughout her university career. I mean, she's right. made a lot of errors and I'm not saying that that necessarily is going to keep someone back from a great life or anything, but right. you know, 
certainly you would start to think like what what is your plan aside from you know working at the newspaper and mm -hmm. hanging out with right. Megan. so right like i don't think well no she didn't well she did do an internship kind of and then it backfired she got let go so i'm like uh that right. also too it's like uh, that's not gonna look good but and then she was hired then she was interviewing at some newspaper but she we don't even see her working or ever getting a job or anything no Remember like, that? She got hired and then we never saw any of that. Like she right. became the editor. She like of the... never came back. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She just was working at the Yale Daily News. I want to just imagine that mm -hmm. someone else fired her from there and then she can't blame Mitchum. She can only blame herself at that point. She's like, no, I'm not. Maybe it is me. Maybe I am the problem. Right. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, after kind of her end, she decides to go back to Stars Hollow, but she's bringing her f new friends, Olivia and Lucy, where they color their hair. And that was, that was, oof, that was like, that was, that was a choice. Cute that. friend moment. Yeah. I don't know why, but like with Rory and the pink hair, I was like, oh, what are you doing? This is, this is, mm -hmm. oh no. Um, but that's something that you just kind of do. Like you just kind of like do each other's hair. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, that seems like like a rite of passage with female friends maybe i do find it a little odd that like rory's way of like connecting with people all oftentimes is just to bring them to stars hollow like she's done that so many times before mm -hmm. like she brings um she's brought logan she's brought paris she's brought olivia and uh lucy like it seems like whenever she wants to connect with somebody she doesn't know instead of like maybe finding out more about them she's just like come to stars hollow it's cute. <laughs> so I don't know. That was something I was thinking about. I'm like, this is, is like Rory's social skills, like really just delegated to like her just being like, let's go to Stars Hollow. Right. Right. Um, and it's we, just the way she's connected these friends so quickly. Yeah. That seems kind of off. Mm hmm. I guess it's high or not high school. It's university. So I know with me in university, like I made a ton of friends and I, didn't really hang out with many of them afterwards, but I think when you're in university, you're probably a little bit more sociable than you would be other times in your life. I don't know. Maybe there's mm -hmm. someone who has more science to that, but it just feels like when you're in university, you're socializing more than you would outside of university, like when you start working or even right. in high school even. So. Mm -hmm. right. so I think there's just more people that you can relate to, even though, I don't know, right. part of me's like, what is Olivia... And Lucy have that like Rory relates to, but yeah. Yeah, besides it's just timing. Yeah. But we find out that Lucy, uh, her boyfriend is actually Marty, who Which is he the naked guy? Yes. Okay. And he's pretending to not know Rory. He like completely just ignores her. Right. Yeah. There's like well, there's a few he instances in the few episodes we watch where yeah, Marty's just not a nice guy. And I gotta say, I actually kind of like mm -hmm. that. I like that they take a character like Marty, and for the first few seasons, we think he's such a nice guy. And then it's like, no, he's kind of almost in some way as bad as like a Dean or Christopher, but we didn't see that at first. We saw like the him being a nice guy. And I think it was just, I don't know. I, I like that there's the reality that not everybody is gonna be like Christopher or Dean, where like they kind of come across negatively right off the bat or pretty quickly right well that's a covert narcissist right and i don't yeah. know if 
if this guy is one, but but they act very self-effacing and yeah. you know like oh shucks kind of guy, and oh the world's you know been hard on me and all that. And then once they know you're interested, or if you very clearly rejected them, if they don't try to hoover you back, they will do stuff like this, like just act like you don't exist. Yeah. Which is obviously is very confusing for Rory, which makes a lot of sense because how do you go from you know this guy that she's friends with? It's not like they left on bad terms, although wasn't she the one that like he was over and she invited Logan over or something, and then and then he and then Marty left because Logan was there. It was just a weird thing that she invited Logan over when they were having like a friend get together. Yeah. Um, so I think they left on kind of awkward terms, mm-hmm. um, but you know it's almost like it's it's almost like well you know you rejected my advances or you weren't interested in me so therefore i'm going to make you pay like there's a real feeling of that to me yeah also just yeah i think like it definitely ended with marty not really being able to communicate why he was into rory or like let his feelings be known and at that point she was already starting to see right. so i think it was just a little too late for him right mm-hmm. but um yeah but yeah, season seven. This is the season when Marty turns into the villain. So, oh, we got a little something for everybody this season. Yep. Okay. Um. Yeah. Uh. Let's see. Well, this episode was written by David Babuck. I think that's how you pronounce his name. And uh, yeah, he wrote a few episodes, mostly. For season seven, so you know, oh. explains a lot, I guess. Um, but it was directed by Lee Shalit Chamel, who uh, she directed quite a few episodes, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, a lot of them were season seven. But she actually had some before season seven as well. I think one of her first mm-hmm. ones was in uh, season five, actually. So, yeah, oh. yeah. I think that was the one too where um, Suki and Jackson are trying to get Jackson like elected for town selectman or something. So. Oh yeah. For those who remember that episode. Okay. Back in the day. Yeah, back when Gilmore Girls was a little more digestible. Um, who was your favorite and least favorite performance from this episode? Best, I had no one. <laughs> at worst at Lorelai um, Fair. I don't think Emily and Richard aren't in this episode right because otherwise I would say they were best but there really no. was nobody that stood out no, cause... and I think that says a lot about the writing right yeah. not the actors mm-hmm. but Lorelai I... I mean it was like way over the top yeah I always like to think that it's like a little bit of both like mm-hmm. both actors and actresses but also the writing too like, obviously, I think, like, good writing can elevate a uh, not-necessarily-great actor, and I think a great actor can elevate not-so-great material. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you have... I'm not saying it's anybody's fault, but, no. yeah, I'll go ahead. I think it is, like, a little bit of a calamity of people... It it's just didn't quite work at the season, because mm-hmm. I think the actors were maybe feeling a little bit exhausted not working with Amy Sherman Palladino and uh, Daniel Palladino, and... You know, obviously for these writer directors, like I, I see online a lot of people like to trash them. You got to imagine too, seventh season of a of a long running show, people have to come in and they have to wrap storylines up and do this other stuff. Like, 
that's not an easy job. And I understand that it's like, yeah, right. they probably didn't do the greatest of jobs. But they also, they, I mean, they tried their best. And, you know, hey, maybe mm-hmm. it wasn't what everyone wanted or what they thought they were going to get. I totally mm-hmm. agree with that personally. But I think, you know, it's not an easy task to take anything over like that. Mm-hmm. So, Right. Anyways, that's just my mild defense of Season 7's writers, even though mm-hmm. I sometimes right. wonder why I'm doing it. But, uh, yeah. Good for you. Stick up for the writers. Yeah. Well, every so often. Um, uh, favorite. Uh... Reference? Oh, no. Did I did I get my favorite character? Oh, no. Give it a, no. Yeah, That's what I'm trying to figure <laughs> out, but it's 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 uh, tough because they're so all so awful. Um, I don't know. You know what? We'll just say Zach because I never say Zach, and he wasn't. And like, yeah, he's not the greatest character, but like, at least he was mildly consistent. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, yeah, and then worst. Take a pick, any of them. I mean, I'll say Lorelai just because, again, it feels so out of character. Like, it just seems like we're watching a totally different character altogether. So Yeah, like it's beca- like she's become a cartoon of herself. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and your favorite reference from this episode? So I know it's her favorite, but just a couple things. So the, the French Arude trope is so old and so inaccurate. Mm. It's like, it's really irritating. It's like they went to like the oldest like not even oldest but just the most tropiest of the tropes <laughs> yeah like it, it it was it was such an easy trope to go to and they didn't have to go there mm-hmm. and and they really overdid it so that was just i thought that was obnoxious um and then because you know there are rude people in every country and yeah. there are nice people in every country and i don't i'm not sure where this thing came from that French people are rude because it's not true. Um, and I don't think like people just go to Paris, but it's like, it, it's like um, when you have that many people, it's like in New York, you can't make eye contact with every single person, say hello to every single person. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's, um, you know, and I've seen Parisians correct another Parisians French. <laughs> you know? So yeah. it's like, there's, there's people, and um, I, I just, it was really irritating to me because I'm like, you know, it's, it's such an easy gag, and it, it just didn't need to be there. Yeah. Um, and also, so they talked about seeing the Tour of France. Actually, I, I guess a little bit of a brag, but um, when we were visiting friends in France, we, uh, they're in the south of France. Um, the Tour de France came by their house. Oh wow. So we walked like basic, yeah. So we walked basically like, like the equivalent of like a block or two, maybe. And we got to see all the bicycles go past and clear. Like, you could see the yellow jersey, but it's amazing how fast they all go by. It was, like, like two seconds all. I'm, like, I don't, it was so unbelievably fast. So they were, so they just zipped by. And then we walked back to the house. And then on the TV, you could see they're already in the next city. Oh, That's how fast they are. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was a a once-in-a-lifetime kind of thing to see. So if you ever get the opportunity to see the Tour de France, it's it's really amazing the how fast they actually are. That's awesome. Um, so, 
And then, then the people that wrote this episode, they probably needed to consult with someone about antidepressants. So Paris mentions about, um, you know, be careful with the MAOIs and tricyclic antidepressants. So MAOI, the antidepressants are very rarely used um, and tricyclic antidepressants were the older ones. Um, in 1987, Prozac came out, and that was an SSRI. It's a, a selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor, and that's kind of a little bit beside the point. But but there, by this point, when the show came out, there were a whole new bunch of antidepressants available. So the fact that she brought those up, they aren't really generally used very much anymore um, for various reasons. Uh, so I'm not sure where that came up. And then she brought up Lexapro, and Lexapro is an SSRI. And so she talks, so this is like one of those psych things that probably like for most people is probably not a thing. <laughs> but for me, I'm like, wait a second. You're like bringing up all these, you know, and it, it matters nothing to the plot whatsoever. But I think just because like I work in the psych field, I'm kind yeah. of like, come on, come on, like check with, like check with one of us, you know, like I know that there are like uh, several shows have psych people like as consultants. Mm -hmm. So, you know, just call a friend. <laughs> like call somebody but um yeah so there's ssris and sris um and so there by the time this came out i was like that's just that's just kind of lazy they could have done a little bit more looking at it so um and also when um lorelei mentions two toilets one of those is a bidet and i am not sure why in the u.s we do not have bidets because they're amazing um so you know you should really you can actually buy one to add to your current toilet so you should explain what a bidet, bidet is also for people who don't know so, sure sure so bidet is b-i-d-e-t and they shoot water basically and yeah. it's just you know i i can't imagine life without a bidet <laughs> yes it's uh primarily uh used in lieu of toilet paper and um yeah yeah there's it, it's i think there's a lot of people in north america that have them but it's yeah it's not overly common like i have one and i uh yeah it's especially when we had the toilet paper uh, shortage of 2020, you know, the days were coming in handy. So, right. And without getting too like graphic, it's a whole different experience of cleanliness when you use a bidet yes. like that. It's, it's hard to go like, back. It, I think, and I don't know if it's part of it is like, we just don't like talking about that stuff or whatever mm. in the North America, but it's usually pretty standard in French hotels. At, well, not just French hotels but in europe in general uh and once you use a bidet you probably will never not use a bidet yeah so totally worth it and you can again you can go on amazon get one and i think it's just it's just one of those things it's just it's it's a it's maybe a smaller thing in life but it makes a huge difference just in how you feel mm -hmm. so does everybody get a bidet it's probably got some health benefits somehow or something i don't know yeah but. Also, it's just like a nice comfort item too. I don't, personally, mm -hmm. I don't know. Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah. yeah, sometimes you just gotta get nice things for yourself. Sometimes, mm -hmm. right? Okay. So very pro bit. So we're both pro bidet. Yay. Yes. <laughs> um. Okay. Uh, favorite reference? Yeah. Did I? Uh, let's see. What was my favorite? Reference? No, I had like five. So yeah, it's your turn. Um. Let's see. Um, oh, the bread guy was looking at Chris, and he just said, "called said everybody loves Raven." And I just thought, thought that was funny. It's not entirely accurate, yeah, because I don't think 
like people in foreign countries would just shout out random shows like that but uh they they can shout out random stuff <laughs> yeah and then the u.s we do that too so you know there's always these phrases that that like people learn when they learn different languages because usually like the quick brown fox jumped over the lazy dog that's got all the letters of the alphabet in it and it has different vowel sounds in it um so there's always these different sayings that people say in different languages because it, it expresses all the different sounds so i remember i think this was my ex-husband or somebody so when they went to um when he was in school in france and then he came over from the u well, long story but anyways he came over to the u.s to, to france he would have these random people go up to him and when they found out he was american they would say my tailor is rich yeah it's like what is this about and they were telling him like when they learn when they learn English in school, that's like the one of the one of the main phrases they learn is my tailor is rich. And mm -hmm. if you think about it, it's got a lot of the vowel sounds in it, so it kind of makes sense, right? Yeah. So and it's got some of the major letters that are more commonly used in English. So yeah. So these people would go up and say my tailor is rich and just crack up laughing, like you know, like when I, when I took Russian in college, and one of the sentences I can say is Ivan Ivanovich lives in apartment number four. So it's like, I probably would, you know, if I met somebody, I'd probably like pull that out sometime. But yeah, yeah so that I thought that was hysterical because I'm like, that actually does happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, favorite quote. Uh... You're going to feel a kick if you don't get your hand off my stomach. So I, I find it really fascinating how many people like just think that because someone's pregnant that they no longer have a personal space bubble mm. um and this has happened quite a bit that people will just come out to you and touch your stomach yeah and it's it always it's such a weird thing to me that people just think they have almost like this right to do that so i was like go lane you know that she was very direct and said you're gonna feel kicky if you don't get your hand off my stomach and yeah. um and you know i tell women you know it's okay to say please don't touch me you yep. know, it's okay to say that because just because you're pregnant doesn't give someone the right to invade your personal space. It's kind of like touching somebody's hair. You just don't do that. Yeah. You just don't. Right. So mm -hmm. I love that. Cause I was like, go lane. Yeah. No, I actually, I had that written down too, because it was nice that lane, you know, she had, she put up those personal boundaries. So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and was it Kirk that was trying to, why do I think it's Kirk? I think it's, it's Kirk. Yeah. Right. Because he's trying it... to feel like any movement, and you're not gonna be able to feel movement. I think you don't feel quickening or the fluttering until I can't remember like end of first trimester, I think. Yeah. So, so it's not like you would feel the quickening is like when you feel the baby moving. Yeah. Um, and then you're not really gonna have somebody feel the baby moving until much later. So, mm -hmm. so he's way off in his timeline anyway, which yeah. is very Kirk esque. Of course. Okay. Um. Yeah. Uh, behind the scenes trivia for this episode. Let's see what we got. Probably something about how it wasn't actually filmed in Paris. I can't imagine they actually filmed there. Um, if they did, why wouldn't they just, you know, like I think of like, I don't know why I was thinking of the show Happy Days or whatever, but I remember on Happy Days, they have like, um, they would go places. You actually see them like walking down the street in the place. Yeah. And I was thinking, oh, they're not going to have any of those shots, right? Because, you know, and the, the restaurant just seemed not French at all. Mm -hmm. And the streets seemed not French at all. Um, oh, this was the lowest rated episode of the entire series. So. Wow. Uh, yeah. 
So, yeah, not a lot of people tuning in for season seven. People started checking out back when it was airing. So I wonder if they're doing some like rating stunts. Yeah, well, I just find it interesting. That it's like people were not tuning in for this, and it's like such a critical episode because obviously uh, they get married. But you know, mm -hmm. I just find it. We weird. don't even see it. Yeah, you don't even see it. And like a lot of the book viewers when this came out didn't see it either. So, um, uh, let's see. Um, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Zach says that they can use the sonogram of their twins as the first album cover. Uh, he says that like they, never mind. Yeah, which is uh, a reference to Nirvana's 1991 album Nevermind, which infamously had a uh, picture of a naked baby swimming underwater which I think now the the, the baby's grown up obviously and is now like yeah I don't, I don't quite like being on there I don't quite like that right and I think that um, I I think Dave Grohl addresses that in his memoir and Dave Grohl's memoir is really great by the way yeah Um, and um, in the audiobook he reads it and let me tell you from I just recorded the intro because I don't want to read my own audiobook because it takes a lot of time and I'm not a professional at all yeah. just reading the intro is like it was really fun mm -hmm. but it it takes a lot to do it so the fact that he read his own book is like fascinating to me that he could read about his own stuff and he does it really really well which is hard um so um he talks a little bit about that whole issue of that his the the kids parents were photographers and they sold the picture and just you know the what are the rights of you know the band buying it um mm -hmm. and the, the kid like being a minor but the parents gave consent and and it, he said also that for a while the kid was um kind of like capitalizing off of being on the cover and now he's kind of changed his mind about it which people absolutely have the right to do yeah um but I, I just, it's a very interesting, if you read his book, it's a very interesting kind of breakdown of, of all of that. Mm -hmm. uh, all right. Any mental health observations from this episode? We've covered a lot, but maybe. Yeah. I just think that there's a real issue of Loreline Christopher maybe being in love with the idea of reconciling more so than actually being into each other because we don't really hear a lot about what they actually appreciate about each other they're very lovey-dovey but we don't hear the actual stuff mm -hmm. and and i think first of all i think the actors just don't really have a lot of chemistry i think chemistry is one of those things you either have it or you don't yeah um and it's just it's really hard to buy that they're it's almost like well we're together because that's what the stars have you know mm -hmm. aligned for us rather than this is a choice they're making mm -hmm. um and it, it just it just seems like there's not much there. Yeah. And it's, and I know they bring up the past a lot and that's great to bring that up, but it also sounds like they rely on a lot of it instead of new adventures or new things to talk about. Mm -hmm. And yeah, part of it's because of the show and it's cutesy, but I didn't really get a good idea of why they're actually together. Yeah. And, and there's got to be some unresolved issues there with Lorelai's feelings about Christopher and not being part of Rory's life. And, you know, and then him getting drunk and making a scene um, at the at her parents, you know, remarriage ceremony or whatever. It just seems really 
implausible that she would just drop all that. Yeah. Unless, you know, she was, you know, she really did not want to be alone after her breakup from, from Luke. Or she has an issue with being alone. But, you know, I don't think that's the case either because she has had time between relationships in the past. Yeah. So, again, this is a character that's written totally differently than what, we, what we're used to. So. 100%. It's not the same character that we're all used to, mm-hmm. which is part of the problem. And the, right. And then also, you know, like I mentioned, like how much of Rory leaving the newspaper is her having a transition issue and panicking and how much of it was planted by Paris? Because Paris can be pretty um, persuasive. Mm-hmm. And I think as much as Rory, like, acts like it doesn't bother her, I think that, that she absorbs some of that stuff that Paris dishes out. Yeah. Okay. But I also like that they're moving away from Paris as, like, the best friend. Yeah. I, I don't know. Because that's realistic, right? Yeah. And I also think, too, like, if they were better at writing Paris, I'd be okay with it. But with the trajectory they're taking everybody, I'm like, yeah, I think it's probably for the best. So Like, she's become almost like a straight-up sociopath. Yeah. Like, like that scene with the... But, yeah. Oh, go like, ahead. Their writing for her is, like, it's it's not good like it's not good writing it's right. it's pretty messy mm-hmm. All right. um yeah what would you rate this episode give it a two that's generous okay. what would you give it uh i'll give it a two as well um i think the okay. big thing is like i don't know watching all of this like i think even if you haven't seen the show before you just tell like Lorelai and Christopher just have no chemistry and I'm not gonna say I don't want to spoil where things go but it's like it's just like a waste of time because you can just tell they clearly don't interact well together right um yeah um yeah and I just don't buy that that Lorelai would get married at least not to Christopher, mm-hmm. and not like this. It's just, yeah. Okay. Right, because what's also what's the she has to also think about her assets, and and then I wonder too, how much of this is that Christopher's like independently wealthy now? Yeah. Like how much does that influence it? That you know before like he really wasn't holding down a job, and I know when he was first with Sherry he had a job, but it seemed like he was kind of a, like a near do well. Like just kind of drifting, and and now he's supposedly stable. Yeah. All right. Well, Steph is over at StephanieSarkis.com. Gaslighting is her older book. Healing from Toxic Relationships is her new book. And you can uh, pre-order at StephanieSarkis.com. Yeah. Uh, and I'm over at threeingreeners.com where almost every other day we've got new content going up. And with that said, we'll see you all next time. Bye for now.